0: Well, welcome back, everyone, to our What's Next podcast, and this is Pastor Jay. I'm excited today to be with Pastor Mike as he shared the message on Sunday as we launched into a new series. It's a two-week series called Connecting People with Jesus, and Pastor Mike did a great job. But just before we get started, Pastor Mike, I have to say, last night, uh, on a personal level, Mm -hmm. I was uh, in the championship game for what we would call the Stanley Cup of the old-timers league here in Cole Harbor <laughs> and uh, and our team we were expected to win but guess what oh, <laughs> we lost in the championship game and I can't believe it was that way but hey we had a good year and uh We hold our heads high.
1: And as somebody asked you earlier, so you got the silver, right? We got the silver, which means,
0: yeah, we got participation, participation (laughs) trophies. Participation. Participation. (laughs) Participation. Spell that one. All those out there who are in the spelling bee competition. So anyhow, we're glad to be here today. Another beautiful day in our area and excited about the podcast today. The message was fantastic and as I'm going to be speaking next Sunday or this coming Sunday, uh, really set the, the stage for that as well. So it's going to be a great link between this past Sunday and the coming Sunday as we talk about what it means to connect people with Jesus. And when you mm-hmm. think about connecting, you started with a wonderful illustration to talk about, you know, like using Lego mm-hmm. blocks and, you know, you only have so many connections on that. And why don't you start off by just talking about that illustration. I know people can't see it, uh, but they'll understand it if they've had any time with a Lego.
1: So. Right. So this, this is not my own idea. I had actually heard this at a conference we had gone to, uh, and the guy had ta- kind of communicated this way, and it really resonated with me. And it's the idea that all of us are like Legos in the sense of how many types of other Legos we can connect with. yeah. And the average person usually has about eight connections. Like we can connect with eight people on a regular basis, have eight different Legos connect to us. And uh, some of us have less. Some of us are more like a four connector. Some of us yep. have a few more. Yep. Um, but when all of our connections are full, if we are an eight person connector and we have eight Legos connected to us, then we can't add any more Legos to our connections. We can't add any more people into our lives in a more meaningful way or connect with new people in any new way yeah. because we're, we're full. And so the idea is if you want to or need to connect with new people, but you're already at your max, and you kind of have to not break off, but in a way remove a relationship from your continuous Uh, relationships, so that you have time to add in a new one, because you're already maxed out. Um, And it's not like throwing somebody aside, but just recognizing that, you know, where you're at in your relationship, maybe you haven't been talking as much anyway, or they're in a good spot, you're in a good spot, and it's okay. Um, Some of my friends, I didn't mention this yesterday, but some of my friends are the type of friends who I can go a couple of years without talking to them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, you know, chat with them for an hour and we're good for another few years and it yeah. and we, we picked up right where we left off there's no hard feelings on any of us about we haven't talked She's like oh my goodness we haven't talked in a year so yeah. you know actually i'm meeting with a friend next week who i haven't talked with in three years yeah yeah <laughs> uh, right. but we're like hey it's it's time to connect it's time just to get back to, to connecting so that's really yeah.
0: good uh, you know that just that principle uh reminds me of a story in a church uh it goes back 10 or 15 years that i remember hearing about a young couple in the church that really had a heart to reach their non-Christian friends and couples, mm-hmm. but they realized what we're doing is we're spending all of our time right now with other couples from the church. Yeah, and hey, we have kind of this social life that we do together. We do activities, we camp, or we mm-hmm. you know we just do stuff together. And they realized that they, in order to connect with non-Christian couples, they're going to have to change up some things. So they did it in a nice way. They just said, hey guys, this is not an offense. Don't take this wrong or mm-hmm. you know, don't make it look like we're rejecting you. We just have a real heart and burden for these couples that are non-Christians. And so they made some shifts and I go, wow, good on them. Mm-hmm. And that really ties into what you're saying, especially when you go, Okay, our our life, our Lego life, all mm-hmm. of the blocks for connecting is full, and as can happen, and uh, I think this is a great reminder of this message. As can happen, if we're not careful, every connection will be with a Christian, mm-hmm. and and whenever there's a need uh, or an opportunity to connect with someone who isn't a believer, we might go, man, my life's pretty busy. I don't know how I'm going to work that in. So. Uh, it does create
1: a self-evaluation here to go,
0: okay, where who am I spending my time with? Who am I connecting with? And am I able to connect with people who really do need Jesus? Mm-hmm.
1: I remember when I was at the last church I was in, uh, people wanted me to come and visit all the time. Mm-hmm. I just And which surprised me because we're not really in a visiting culture anymore. People don't right. really like visits, but church people like visits. Yeah. Um, but I had to have the really hard conversation where I said, I can't come visit you. Well, why not? Well, because I have a non-Christian friend who I need to spend that time with right. because they need Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I can meet during office hours and have a chat, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really need to be with this other person and, and share Jesus and their life with them. And yeah. um, so it's really important to, to kind of protect that time and those opportunities for connections. Yeah,
0: that's good. So you took us into mm-hmm. the story of the Good Samaritan based yeah. on Luke chapter 10. Mm-hmm. And why don't you build the framework of that? Uh, what? why that was an important passage, and Mm -hmm. how it fits to this message.
1: Yeah, so a lot of times we talk about the Good Samaritan and we only actually talk about uh, the parable itself. Mm. We often neglect the lead up to the parable. Why did Jesus share this specific story in this time and context? And when you look at the setup of it, um, it's a religious teacher or a religious expert, a law expert. Uh, some say they would be lawyers, um, some they were more of guide uh, guidance for the Israelites on how to um, live about their daily lives to kind of bring interpretation for how the Old Testament should apply to their lives. Um, whatever his exact role was, it's very clear that his knowledge was very deep in the Torah, the, mm. oh, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yep. That's what it means when it says he was the expert of the law. He was the expert on the Torah. And so when he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit life? When Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? That's just another term for mm. the law or the Torah. Yep. So Jesus is saying like, you're the expert. What what does yeah, the law say? Like exactly. you, you should already know this. What does it say? Which um,
0: which he really did. Mm-hmm. It was almost like is he, he looking for a loophole here? I, I, I think he was. Yeah, I think yeah. in
1: some ways, you know, as a lawyer or uh, his role in the law, he was looking for a loophole, and a lot of people did because um, when they interpreted the first five books in the Talmud, it came out to about 615 precepts mm. that they had to follow. 613 laws, and they began to wait these laws on what's most important, what's not as important, uh, which led to this prayer known as the Shema. Mm -hmm. And so um, some people, when they read this, they get thrown off because if you look at the similar passages in Matthew and Mark, it's Jesus who says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, the second is like it. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, So some people get thrown in this that, well, it was actually the teacher of the law who said it. But as I pointed out yesterday, it doesn't really matter because everybody said it twice a day. Yeah. This was the prayer. Yep. This was the what they were supposed to recite at least twice a day to remind them that the first part of the Shema is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yep. And then often they would come add in this from Leviticus 19, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is a part of a prayer that they said twice a day. So like this is ingrained in them. So why he was surprised that this was the answer. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of startling. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Uh, I loved uh, what I'm going to say, and then I'd love for you to explain it. That is the Stand on One Foot Challenge. That's what I wrote down in my notes. (laughs) Stand on One Foot Challenge. What is that? And uh, why don't you describe what that what that was in, based in your message.
1: Yeah, so there were two other really well-known rabbis that preceded Jesus by uh, just a few years. Actually, uh, both of them were kind of coming to the end of their teaching when Jesus was just coming onto the scene, uh, Hillel and Shammai, and pretty much everybody fell on into the camps. Uh, if you read scripture, uh, you probably have uh, remember Paul saying that he was a student of Gamaliel. Uh, Gamaliel was the... Uh, grandson, well, we're not sure which one it is, but the grandson or the great-grandson of Hillel. So Paul was actually a student of Hillel. He was Hmm. in that camp. Um, And so somebody, a student, came and challenged both Hillel and Shammai to summarize the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, while standing on one foot. Uh, And Shammai, (laughs) yeah, yeah, just tell us what the whole first five books, everything Moses wrote, tell us what that means while standing on one foot. See how well you do with that. And uh, Shammai was known for being much more rigid and a bit more hot-tempered, uh, and he just told the guy to to get lost, like, go away, I'm not doing that. Right. Uh, Hillel, it says, actually chastised the man uh, and said, similar to the golden rule as we know it, uh, but says, what is hateful uh, to you, do not do to your fellow. Now, mm. Jesus kind of inverse that a little bit and said, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. Like do yeah. what would be good to others as you would want them to do good for you. So it's kind of the inverse. But Hillel said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole law. This is a summary of the whole thing. He said the rest is an explanation. Yeah. Uh, go and learn or go away. Like go figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Then you came with this uh, you know basic concept, you know, who is my neighbor, right? Yeah. Because that's this is leading us along this journey of discovery. Okay, if I'm going to connect with people mm-hmm. and Jesus is, or the story says, who is my neighbor? Uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. What? How did you uh, explain that?
1: Yeah, so I in this context of Leviticus 19, actually much of the understanding of the Good Samaritan comes from Leviticus 19. We see it as a standalone story, but Jesus is actually pulling different passages out of, in different understandings out of Leviticus 19. And so he's setting it up as there's this understanding of the question of who is my neighbor. Mm. And from Leviticus 19, 18, uh, there is a correlation between the concept of neighbor and my brother's sons, mm. right? Your nephews, those who are close relationally to you are your neighbors. Right. Um, in other parts of Leviticus, Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, there's a separation between foreigners and neighbors. Mm. So those who are Outside of Judaism were not considered neighbors. They were supposed to still be cared for and treated fairly. Uh, and even in Leviticus 20 it says to love, or 1933 it says, love them as you love yourself, similar mm-hmm. terminology, but they're still not neighbors. They're yeah. foreigners. So this teacher of the law is asking, who is my neighbor? How far does the relational aspect go? If if 1918 says it's my brother's sons, how wide does my neighbor have to be? Like, how many of my relatives should I consider my neighbor? Mm. And then they're kind of like cut off. Right. I don't have to treat them as nicely anymore. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where Jesus is bringing this idea from because he actually brings it to this Leviticus 19.33 expression mm. where the neighbor actually includes the foreigner, yeah. includes the person outside of the Jewish nation by the Samaritan being the one. Who does the action. Yeah, that's
0: good. And then the story continues.
1: And as we know of the individual who
0: basically went on a path mm-hmm. that was very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, you referred to better. it as the red or bloody way or that's road. Right. Uh, so it was known to be a place where you could very easily get caught up in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose it would be certain environments or communities or places in large cities or Mm -hmm. you know uh, maybe a A gang-related community or a biker area Mm -hmm. that you just go, you know, you put yourself in that environment, you're likely to run into some trouble. I mean, the high percentage is there. And so that was true for this individual. And so then what are some of the attitudes that could come out of that?
1: Yeah. So I I liked uh, one of the commentators, he was talking about like the foolishness of the man. Like, Mm. you know, you don't travel this road alone. You know, you don't travel this road at night and you know, you don't travel the road with all of your wealth and possessions. And yet that seems to be, they didn't say he traveled at night, but he definitely traveled alone and he definitely traveled with his wealth and possessions because that's what the bandits took. Yeah. And so for many, they'd say, okay, he was foolish. He should have known better. He got what he deserved. Those are the consequences for his own decisions um I and one of them put it basically like there's Jesus is setting up a saying answering the question of what if my neighbor's an idiot like mm. do I still have to care even <laughs> yeah. if my neighbor like right. got what they deserved it's yeah. just desserts right yeah
0: um and it'd be easy for people to say well I told you so yeah oh like, yeah
1: what did you do that for I told yeah. you that that was gonna happen yeah that's right? our favorite immediate response when somebody gets in trouble right I told you
0: I yeah. told you that was gonna happen
1: yeah and and then you you walk into
0: this concept of compassion Mm -hmm. and and what does it mean even if someone is making a poor decision Mm -hmm. what does compassion really mean and how does it impact us to to action
1: yeah yeah and so i try not when when i'm preaching i try not to get into the the greek or the hebrew because i i really do believe that the bible is accessible to everybody whether you know the hebrew the greek or not but sometimes Mm -hmm. there are these terms that just could be fleshed out a little bit stronger if mm-hmm. we know what's going on behind them. And this is one of those terms, this idea of felt compassion, it's really about heartbreak, uh, about a longing to see something better. Um, you know, when anybody who's been in a relationship and that relationship's fallen apart and your mm-hmm. heart is broken, um, that's what this word means, this this idea for compassion. Or as I mentioned yesterday, if you've ever seen the SPCA commercial by Sarah McLachlan and she's singing Arms of the Angels and you right. see the puppies and all you want to do is just like give all your money yeah. and collect all the dogs. Um, that's the that's this idea of compassion that is being mm. referenced here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it said this, uh, the Samaritan saw the man, and he felt compassion. He felt heartbreak. He felt like he just needed to do something. Yeah, because the priest and the Levite, from
0: their perspectives and their backgrounds, uh, as you as you mentioned, are like were more about ritual than mm-hmm. relationship.
1: Yeah. So yeah. the priest and the Levite, and I was trying to help people understand this. Like the priest and the Levite they knew the law. Like the mm-hmm. Samaritan didn't know the law. The priests and the Levite are Levites. Yeah. And what Jesus is referencing here in the Good Samaritan is from the book of Leviticus. It was a mm. book specifically written to priests and Levites yeah. on how they should live their lives. So they were caught in this catch 22 of, you know, we're supposed to love our neighbor, but we also have to stay ritualistically pure. We have to follow yeah. the law. And so the laws were at conflict for them. And we would say they chose the wrong, made the wrong decision Mm -hmm. of the law, but they were making the decision that seemed to make most sense because it was very strict on what could happen to them if they broke the law. Like they would not be able to serve in their roles.
0: Yeah, like that that ceremoniously unclean. Mm -hmm. Like, well, if I do this, that's going to impact my life. Mm -hmm. And
1: oh, wow, okay, you know. I won't be able to do my job. Yeah, ching, 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 to, ching, all the yeah. things I have to do,
0: and oh my goodness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in quarantine for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that's really, that's the a same really idea, good point. Right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. The priest would have been in quarantine for at least a week, and the Levite uh, wouldn't have been able to, would have been in a shorter quarantine, but wouldn't have been able to eat, wouldn't have been able to relate yeah. with his family, uh, wouldn't be able to do his job. It's very complicated. Yeah, so it's like,
0: Okay, when I'm processing that and I go, is it worth it? You know, is it worth the sacrifice? Mm -hmm. And that idea of compassion of being basically like heartbroken, Mm -hmm. you know, like stirred to a point where that I'm not going to consider all those things that it's going to interrupt my life. Mm -hmm. This person needs to be loved. There needs to be mercy. There needs to be a a reach to them that is connecting them. Mm -hmm. You're connecting with them in the spirit of christ and mm. what a powerful uh, way in which to look at this
1: yeah and i love that jesus uses this term compassion uh because the um the people who wrote the gospels who wrote about jesus life um, when they write in matthew chapter 12 and 22 and mark chapter 10 um, they talk about jesus had come across uh, on this boat and he was actually trying to get away from people. So mm. even Jesus needs a break from people. Yeah. <laughs> but he saw the people. And in all three passages, it uses the same word. it says, Jesus saw them and he felt compassion. He was heartbroken for the people. Mm. And so he took time to heal them, to feed them, and to teach them. Yeah. Uh, which to me is like, okay, like that is the epitome of living life like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, to feeling compassion for people and demonstrating the same way that he talked about the Samaritan man in the same way that he demonstrated in his Mm -hmm. own life.
0: You know, you brought a couple of ideas and statements that really were challenging Mm -hmm. and I think needed to be said, Mm -hmm. and hopefully it's something that we are really willing to look at. One of those would be, could it be that the church today, believers today, those who call themselves followers of Jesus, are acting more like the priest and the Levite than the Samaritan? Mm -hmm. And especially as we're connecting with people or people in need. Uh, wow, that was a pretty powerful statement, and I and I think it needs to be said.
1: Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of people in the church are starting to hide behind this idea that the North American church is being persecuted. Hmm. Uh, and as somebody who lived overseas as a missionary kid and saw what real persecution looks like, like the actual cost of life, um, I struggle with... Calling what we face today mm-hmm. uh, in our quarantine world as persecution. Right. Um, does it? Do we feel like it's limiting our freedoms? Absolutely, but I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as yeah. saying persecution because it's not targeted just at the church. It's targeted at everybody. Right? We're all trying to stay quarantined, but I see the the North American church calling this persecution and getting really nitpicky about our rituals, mm. our expectations of what church has to look like on a Sunday morning. Yeah. <clears throat> Then on the expression of loving our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, And when people in the community look at what's happening on social media, what what they see uh, as the church is talking about persecution and their response to the expectations that have been put on us, they see people outside of the church who would not be classified as people of God who are loving them and willing to make Mm -hmm. hard sacrifices, you know, uh, businesses, you know, mom and pop organizations that are closing down, or enforcing new regulations and stuff and counting a high cost um, to, to, look after the well being of their neighbor during COVID Mm. and then look and see in the church and all they hear is us griping about, we can't do what we wanted to do on Sunday, which we classify as this is what church is Mm. um, or other ways that we express it through the week. And the world's like, don't you love us? Like Mm -hmm. where's your compassion for the heartbreak that we're feeling right now and the loss that we're feeling. And so, and it's not just on Sundays. Uh, There's so many times I see responses on social media where I'm like, guys, you're, you're missing an opportunity. Like the world is loving better than we are, and that's yeah. a problem. They're, they're, they're heartbroken more than we let,
0: are. Let's let that sink in because that, uh, that's something I think we all have to let the Spirit of God really probe our mm-hmm. hearts on that. That's powerful. You also then uh, gave this statement, which is really a rubber meets the road. This, mm. is like, this is like the way it really would show up, and I think it's a, a powerful check To the way we do things, and you said, you know, hey, you know, yeah, you need Jesus, but I don't have time for you, Mm -hmm. you know. But sure enough, you'll find somebody, I'm sure, that can help you get to Jesus, but Mm -hmm. but not me. I I I just I'm too busy. I have too many other things, too many other priorities of life, and I've already got
1: too many Legos connected. Too many
0: Legos connected. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know what, and they're taking up all my time. Like I'm Mm -hmm. full. I'm maxed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but what about? you know if you're if we're spending our time with the already convinced mm-hmm. and there are those that need to hear a message of hope or to have someone interact with them mm-hmm. who has the margin to be able to do that um mm-hmm. to say like yeah i really do believe you need jesus but mm-hmm. i don't have time to be yeah. there with you uh, yeah. but hopefully hope be on, be good be on your way and yeah. uh, hope it's all well yeah
1: jesus has time for you but i don't yeah <laughs> and uh, it's It's painful, uh, and I've seen it play out again and again and again. And it just comes back to this idea of the the Samaritan loves like loves on people mm. more than the church does. yeah uh, you also shared something that
0: I thought was powerful, which really again points the picture back to Jesus. And that is he was willing to become very ceremoniously unclean, yeah. And when you think of what he did, how he was willing to, I guess, be exposed uh, Mm -hmm. to face the persecution, the the sacrifice of his life, and I go, if he is our model, if Mm -hmm. he is the one to whom we are desiring to be more and more like Mm Christ-likeness, wow, there's something about that that. should get our attention and cause us to really reflect yeah. on how we're doing life
1: yeah i didn't really go into it yesterday because i was already pushing for that that medal of that yeah. gold medal of longest winded preacher the longest-winded. At Hillside. i think you're still in the lead I, I definitely i definitely secured that lead yesterday yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, one you, you outdid your personal <laughs> I best did my personal best. so now but you're
0: you have a new personal best which is still the best of all
1: of us so far <laughs> but hey i'm on this sunday you never know so and i'm on the week after that oh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but one of the things that I that I saw in this is, like, when you look at this story of this man who went down this bloody road mm. and all this stuff, like, you can really see a typology of, of Jesus' sacrifice yeah. there. Yeah. Jesus willingly, knowingly went down. Mm. It was called the Via Dolorosa, the, the Way of Suffering is what we call it now. It's this yeah. path that leads out of Jerusalem up to the hill on Golgotha where they believe that uh, the crucifixions would have taken place at that time. Yeah. And Jesus went down that willingly, uh, knowing. Mm-hmm. And people said he was foolish. People said that he got what he deserved. People yeah. said, you know, all these things. And then, like, our crucifixes are very calm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a Protestant church. We don't have crucifixes here. But in general, like, if you see a crucifix, that is nothing compared to what mm-hmm. Jesus would have actually looked like in the beating and yeah. the, the crucifixion. And he didn't have anything around his mid-waist. Right. Um, you just probably shouldn't go around with Jesus exposed on your body all right. the time. Yeah, uh, And so like Jesus very much is shown as this man who was the Jewish man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it was somebody outside of the Jewish faith who demonstrated compassion. Yeah. Um, and then Jesus talks about, us picking up our cross daily and following him, so doing that same thing, being willing to mm-hmm. be considered foolish, being willing to be considered an idiot, and do it going the hard way. Yeah. Um, for the purpose of of bringing compassion. Yeah. To the world. So
0: we come back to the, where we started with the illustration of the blocks, mm-hmm. and you brought forth a question for us to really have to struggle with and and think through and pray through. Are we willing to connect new Legos? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to look at our lives truly for uh, don't just brush this off and go, yeah, 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 well, I'll get that figured out. But to really look at, you know, how many Legos, how many connections do we have and and what do I need to really think through and pray through and make this new decisions on? So it was Mm -hmm. a great challenge.
1: Thank you. So I, I heard one of the questions out there yesterday. I brought my Legos in this week. Are you bringing your Legos in next week?
0: Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did say to uh, Sharon uh, after the message, I said, I I think because when when we have our grandkids and Riley and Madison is doing this, and now even Parker will love to build Legos, but he just likes to build them about three or four high and knock them over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but But Riley loves to... Uh, build stuff and he you know he's he builds a ship or he builds a boat or Mm -hmm. he builds a truck or he builds a tower and he and he says take a picture take a picture (laughs) so i may have a few pictures okay of of legos but of course it's it's his design of building Mm um where this is more about connecting and using Mm -hmm. the concept but but it's true you you can build but you can only build so much because there's only so many connections you have that's right so as we move into this sunday this is not just about connecting with people to be social, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, like we're social beings. So let's build relationships with people and Mm -hmm. and just hang out. And, uh, and that's a good thing. And, and, and we, that is important and we Mm -hmm. need to have relationships. But (laughs) the concept is how do we reach to people and care enough Mm -hmm. for them that they will come to Jesus. Right. And we want people to connect with Jesus. So, Mm The foundation is if we don't care, we, we're we already behind the eight ball. Yeah. We're already like losing ground. But if we care and we go, we can't determine the results of how people will decide to engage with or be interested in. We're always praying, God, mm-hmm. open people's eyes, you know, help them to see, give them a, an interest, awaken a desire. I mean, mm-hmm. I pray that often for the people that I pray for that that I want to come to meet Jesus. yeah. And, but then, okay, the goal is, as I develop a relationship, maybe I earn respect, I earn the right, I have the privilege, God opens the door that there can be a spiritual conversation to invite them, to engage them, to consider the claims of Christ somewhere, somehow, along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. But if we're not thinking that, if that's not even filtering through our minds, and we just say, yeah, we just want to be good Canadians that, you know, are are friendly and social. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's a beautiful trait of who we are. What about this man named Jesus and right. people coming to connect with him and how can we filter all of this through what we do as a believer, as a church, in our events, in our programs, in our services, mm-hmm. in anything we do online? The whole thing right yeah, so absolutely, uh, great message Thank you. Uh, very powerful and as i said earlier in a conversation it really lays the foundation for this coming sunday i hope people really are taking this to heart and find that this two-week series is going to be a helpful a good reminder but as i would pray not just engaging the mind and getting us thinking but the holy spirit mm. to really sink into our hearts and go, Lord. You speak to me, and I want to be open for what I need to be aware of for the connections of with people and the connecting people with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so very, very powerful. So thanks awesome. a lot for the message. Thank you. Yeah, so we have finished today. Uh, just, I'm just one of those kind of happy button kind of guys, and so uh, <laughs> I just need to have a little bit of music. As we uh, wrap up our time today, and uh, we trust everybody has a great week. And uh, God bless you. Thanks for listening in. And we look forward to our next uh, What's Next podcast next week.